I, I started recording a minute ago. I didn't catch any of the funny things I said, but... <laughs> I'm recording now, too. All right. Uh, and let's sync up first so it's near the start. Okay. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. <laughs> Hit that six real hard. Yes. Yeah. That's that's a Chicago style six. <laughs> it's a deep dish Lip six. <laughs> it had it coming. <laughs> or no, I it's guess, not for a while yet. I guess for this episode of Glee, uh, Rachel had it coming. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's this? The consequences of my actions? <laughs> oh my god! I literally put that in my notes. Emily, no joke. <laughs> But yeah, Tanner, you wanted us to start recording so that we could get how we're doing on the vamping. And so that means I need to ask you how you're doing. I'm doing good. Good. One of my one of my friends recently came out as pansexual, so we're all very happy for them. Oh, That's nice. sort of timely Congrats. with this episode. <laughs> we were like, I mean, no one was surprised. <laughs> and, and we did t- tell that to them. We were like, listen, in all the time we've known you. The only straight thing about you was all those times where you said, but guys, I'm definitely straight. <laughs> I might be a- nope, never mind. I was like, oh, maybe I know this person, but it's like, actually, no, Tanner has friends that I don't know because we have, we each have lives outside of the internet. <laughs> you guys exist outside of this podcast? I actually don't. This is a tulpa now. I know that I only exist when the microphone's running. Exactly. As much as I would love to say that I only exist to podcast, regrettably, I must also exist to pay rent, which I hate doing every single goddamn time. Yeah, I hear there was a musical about that one. Christina, join us in cyberspace. You'll never have to pay rent again. (laughs) God, what is this? Digimon? No, it's Apple Podcasts. (laughs) All right. Put the theme song in here and go. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening You're listening To loser like me Loser like me Everybody and welcome to Loser Like Me. This is a Glee recap and review podcast. My name is Christina, and buying votes is illegal. It's also delicious. <laughs> and I'm award-winning actress and star of the movie Bound, Jennifer Tilly. Just kidding, I'm Tanner. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Today we're watching the episode I Kissed a Girl, and it's been such a long time since I kissed a girl, and all I got out of it was a Goldock Pokemon card, not even Charizard. So that's why we had to bring on a guest for it this week. <laughs> I'm kind of like the Incredible Hulk. You can't blame me for anything my alter ego, Countess Bucci Flagrante, does. <laughs> Is that a drag reference? Because I, I don't no, know. No, it's a, it's a Tumblr <laughs> it's a, reference, and, and I'm, I'm Emily, editor oh my of the God, podcast. It is. I have it transcended is. the editing booth, and I am here in your ears. I can't wait. I'm I'm almost certain at some point during this episode, I'm going to do like the lean in and whisper into the microphone and say, okay, Emily, now here's where you put this funny sound bite in. <laughs> and then you guys are going to have to go, Tanner, she's right here. <laughs> I love it when you talk to me. It makes me feel included. 
<laughs> well, now you're going to be even more included. I'm so included. <laughs> Emily you... is editing from inside the podcast. <laughs> we we have had you on before, though, right? Before you started editing? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, and, but it's been a while. I don't remember exactly which episode I was on. Bef- I, I Well, I know it was the Madonna episode. Yeah, it was the Madonna one. That was, fifth, that was uh, season one, episode 15, I think. Oh, wow. It has been a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Emily. Yes, Tanner. Do you have any experience with kissing girls? So much. The or the... <laughs> <laughs> I believe my Twitter header is a screen cap mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Animal Crossing that says, Well now, do you know what I heard? I heard that you are exceptionally good at kissing girls. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me chuckle every time I see it, Emily. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad. Yes, I I do have some, I have experience kissing girls, I have experience with Glee, I believe, I went over my history with Glee, the program, uh, in my my first episode, and not much has changed other than working on this podcast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No Glee updates in my life, unfortunately. (laughs) Or fortunately, if you think about it. (laughs) Oh, hey, I have, I have a Glee update. (laughs) Do you? Yeah, I understand that we are recording this at this point uh, three or four weeks ahead of advance from when this is going to be airing. Yes. That sounds right. But if anyone is interested in watching The Masked Singer, you should support the harp for no reason in particular. Yeah, okay, I did see that. (laughs) For an incredibly obvious reason, if you understand why I'm referencing it on this ugly podcast. The first note, it's like everyone and their mom. <laughs> if you've seen a, a single minute of Glee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, it's, it's exciting. Good for her. Although this does mean that when we get to the point when this song is performed in the actual universe of Glee, I will be trying to perform a Britney S. Pierce and reality warp my way into the show to replace the Glee version with that version. Because doesn't Kurt sing it in the show? That's that's what I've been seeing, but I haven't actually. I I stopped watching Glee before that was sung on the show. So yeah, because right. it was the Whitney episode, and I remember that it was a really weak ass cover. Womp womp. I mean, RIP. I'm Kurt. sure that Chris Colfer did his best, but <laughs> it doesn't change the fact that perhaps a white man is not the person to be performing Whitney Houston. <laughs> Okay, now, Emily, I'm not whispering. I'm talking to you. Make a note here to put in that clip from New Girl. Yes. What clip from New Girl? I haven't seen New Girl. (laughs) A white man? No! That one. Oh. Okay, yes, got it. (laughs) But we should actually talk about the episode now that we're at 13 minutes into the recording. (laughs) (laughs) So for today, we are watching season three, episode seven, I Kissed a Girl which was written by Matthew Hodgson and directed by Tate Donovan. I don't know if either of them have had experience with Glee so far, but that's okay. I am pretty sure they're both new names, but also, uh, I thought this episode was new. Hmm? Not to give too much away. I didn't hear what you said. Okay, I guess I didn't give it away then. (laughs) (laughs) I I think this episode was pretty decent for Glee. (laughs) I have feelings about this episode, which is why I did demand to be on it. (laughs) <laughs> Mostly I have feelings about like one scene in this episode and then the rest of it I can kind of dunk in a trash can. 
Uh, yeah, you, I regret to inform you, you were only on this episode because you got here first. Everyone was clamoring for this episode. Ha <laughs> I win! <laughs> Harley was the runner-up because they asked, like, a week later, and so... I love this for me. I'm like, here's your consolation prize. You get to see Santana slap the shit out of Finn in front of God and everyone. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I didn't think that slap looked that bad. Like, I went back and watched uh, episode six before this, and I was like, "Mm, that's not that bad. But, you know, it was a a stage slap, so we don't have to worry about it. Exactly. (laughs) We'll get there. We will. Okay, Mm -hmm. so... That is what you missed on Glee. So we open in Figgins' office, where Figgins is announcing that the school now has a zero-tolerance violence policy, and he wants to suspend Santana for two weeks. Well, specifically, he mentions that, like, student-on-student violence is worthy of suspension, but only with a school board-approved implement. A weapon from the school board's approved list of suspend-worthy weapons, (laughs) I wrote down. Yeah, which apparently does not include slushies. Yes, but it does include hands. Hasn't Santana gotten into, like, full brawls in the middle of the hallway before? Yes, too. With Quinn and with Lauren Zyces. Okay, just checking. I like to imagine that they tried to suspend Lauren Zyces after the hallway brawl with Santana, but then... Everyone in the school just showed up to say, yeah, Santana initiated the fight and she lost so, she lost so completely that, that you cannot, it was such a flawless victory that you cannot punish Lauren's Ices. I'm sorry, what are you going to do? Suspend Lauren's Ices? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I like to think that they tried to suspend her, but she kept showing up because are you going to stop her? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Also noteworthy here is that all of the adults in the situation are like, yes, this is a good plan. We're all pretty much fully aware of what's happened to Santana within the last 20 minutes, but we think that she should be punished educationally on top of this. Yes. <laughs> no justification allowed. There is very little empathy for Santana from the adults in this episode at all. Oh, the adults are fucking useless. It almost yes. all entirely comes from just other students yeah yeah i i feel like this was a good example of how glee does not do a great job at trying to trying to strike a narrative balance between giving weight to the teenagers versus giving weight to the adults in the situation because it's like oil and water (laughs) the Mm -hmm. storylines are so diametrically opposed (laughs) Yeah, the combination of story elements in in this episode is very strange. Yeah. Nothing in this episode adds up. Barely anything adds up in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) There is one thing that adds up, but I'll get to it at the end. Uh, So so while this is going on, and all the adults are saying, like, yes, Santana is in a bad place right now, but also we should expel her, we should suspend her, etc., and then Finn gets, you see the light bulb go off behind his eyes. And he's like, <laughs> his neuron hits a corner of the screensaver. <laughs> yeah. He's like, wait a second, guys. That wasn't a real slap. It was a stage slap. And you're all overreacting. It's fine. Uh-huh. Finn, you big, beautiful idiot. He's truly at his biggest, beautifulest idiocy this episode. Yes. He's in peak himbo this episode. <laughs> exactly. This is... <laughs> He knows he needs a redemption arc after the bullshit he pulled last week, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, uh, and so he decides to drop charges and 
as he and Santana leave the te- leave the principal's office, Santana is like, "Okay, Finn, what is your angle?" And he says, "I do not have an angle because I just I think that you should be comfortable enough to be your whole self because when you are <laughs> essentially it's don't hi- don't hide your gay under a bushel, which I think is something that Tanner coined a couple of episodes ago." <laughs> Um, oh, we've been talking about that since season one. All these gays hiding their gay under bushels. We got bushels of plenty. I know, but the exact phrasing, I th- I think you came up with, like, actually, I don't remember when you came up with it. Like I'm saying, I'm pretty sure it's season one. Yes. So I'm quoting you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it seems very evident that throughout all of this, uh, up until consequences started happening, Finn didn't really understand what a big deal this is and that's i mean you know straight boys what are you gonna do <laughs> you're gonna sing at them yeah <laughs> or root box them or have them sing at you in this episode yeah because finn says hey santana i have an idea for a lesson this week and i think that you and the trouble tones should show up because it would be really cool and he kind of implies like if you guys don't participate in the lesson this week, I will tell Figgins that the slap was real and you will get suspended, which is it's not not it's great. Not great. <laughs> I didn't get that implication at all. I thought what he was implying was come be part of the lesson with the other trouble tones or I'll be real sad. I'd like to think that's what it was. <laughs> I'm going to choose to believe that one. I like that one better. Yeah. I don't as at the very least like based on what he does in the rest of the episode if he is, oh no, okay, yeah, you're right. So he does, yeah, actually say you and the Trouble Tones can join us for the lesson or get suspended by Figgins. But I'd like to think, based on what he does later in the episode, that that's just Finn talking to Santana on her level. It's not a legit threat. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, this is also sort of like this seems like a whole like part of Finn's plan to kind of try to bring the the Glee Club and the Trouble Tones back together. Hmm. This week, Finn is the man with a plan. <laughs> the plan the plan is loving and supporting your teammates. Exactly. Oh, also, we forgot to mention that initially Santana tried to blame the slap on Finn on an alternate personality that she yeah. is calling Snix, which was Naya's nickname in real life. Oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. Like, the Jekyll and Hyde thing was... I, I liked the concept of Santana having superpowers, but only as an alter ego. <laughs> I like the idea that, like, for Santana, a Jekyll and Hyde situation is, like, a bitch and an even bigger bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, bitch affectionate, of course. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. As we know, the only straight she is a straight up bitch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're we're gonna put the the only plot that this episode should have cared about on the back burner for a little bit mm-hmm. uh, because Rachel is trying her best to be Kurt's campaign runner, which is basically scowling at Brainy and accusing her of buying votes with pixie sticks. Won't someone think of Rachel Barry? No, <laughs> no one's ever thinking about how things will impact Rachel Barry. <laughs> If Kurt doesn't win the election, then he won't go to Niada, so he can't join her in New York. And what if she's in New York without her best gay to give her an emergency makeover or a souffle? <laughs> I do need to make note that as Brittany is giving out pixie sticks, she says, If elected, I will make sure to have sugary treats available at all times. It helps the concentration. That's what George Washington said. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I want to note that Rachel said that this election is the most that she's been stressed out since the Lambert Allen debacle, which is a reference to American Idol season eight. Oh! Oh. With Chris Allen, the religious Christian guitar boy who has done car commercials, versus Adam Lambert, the glam rocker boy who has also done vocals for Queen. Yeah, I remember watching that season of American Idol and I did not catch that reference at all because I have totally put it out of my brain. (laughs) It was... I caught it because that was the last season of American Idol that I gave any form of attention to. Oh, same. Mostly because I was like, yeah, this absolute, like, I'd already kind of suspected that American Idol was a desperately rigged show, but like, this really (laughs) cemented it for me. And so I was like, I'm giving up on this form of voting. (laughs) But yeah. Also, Kurt thinks that if he doesn't get the presidential or the student presidential election, then his life is over. I know I've been way too in Revolutionary Girl Utsuna way too long because I did at one point in my notes refer to this as the student council election. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why catastrophizing is bad, kids. Yeah, I I think it would have been funnier if she referenced the the Cook-Archuleta debacle between David Cook and David Archuleta. I agree. Was it that much of a debacle? There's a famous video of like, tween girls watching it getting ready to celebrate david archuleta winning and they announce it's david cook and they immediately start bawling and screaming i have not seen that it was really big we pop in the biggest bottles when david archuleta wins american idol this year yeah ah maybe i didn't notice because i wanted to support david cook because he was from missouri (laughs) um jacob and israel shows up and i hate that don't like when that happens not a fan yeah He's just there to nag Kurt about Kurt possibly losing the election. If this yeah. were a horse race, you'd be glue. <laughs> I thought that was funny. There, See, that's the thing about Glee is that so often it vacillates between actual good jokes and like the worst thing anyone's ever said with their human mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's no in between. Yeah. Yeah. But he does call Brittany Madam President, which I love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, and Kurt is so desperate that he says he needs to pull a JFK. You're going to <laughs> shoot Brittany? <laughs> no, I'm going to stuff the ballot box. Rachel, honey, you know JFK wasn't the one who did the shooting, right? Okay, but I also had that s- exact same reaction. No, that explains it. JFK was the second shooter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my the God. Code. <laughs> When is Ryan Murphy going to make one of those American crime stories about the JFK assassination? After he finishes re-traumatizing people about the Jeffrey Dahmer murders, probably. Oh, God, wait, is that him? He's a part of that? Yeah, I just found out today. Ew. Motherfucker! I, uh, I knew there was a reason I was extra angry at this one. <laughs> Aside from the fact that we as a society have surpassed the need for media about Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, on a positive note, it's We Celebrate Lesbians Week. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. Lesbians and lesbian supporters. (laughs) (laughs) We'll let you decide who's who, listeners. Vote now on your phones. Clee will let you decide who's who. I like that he calls it Lady Music Week. (laughs) It's Oh, Finn. Yeah, he really is just at his most himbo this episode. Mm -hmm. Truly. He don't know what he's doing, but he's got the spirit. (laughs) 
Yeah. Kurt and Blaine sing Perfect by Pink, and this- I don't like it. Realizing what song this was, was sort of an emotional jump scare for me personally, because I don't know- Tanner, did, did you hear about the horror movie that came out earlier this year called They Slash Them? Yeah, but I haven't had the chance to see it yet. I mean, it's not good. Uh, it's not even bad. I mean, well, it's bad, but it's not even like offensive. It's just boring. But oh, darn! That's, oh. The, that's the worst. That's the most homophobic thing is to be boring. Exactly. But it's in that movie. There is a sequence where all of the kids at the camp sing this song in like the cabin, and then later <laughs> the song comes back at like a like climactic point at the end of the movie. And so the realization that they were, because I don't know the words to this song, so I didn't clock it when they first started singing in the, in this episode. But the moment I realized, it was like, oh, I can't escape this song. I like the original. I think the original was pretty good. And I think it's great. Pink is and great. And has good meaning. I think Blaine and Kurt singing this is like milk on toast. There's a lot of secondhand embarrassment in the musical numbers in this episode. Blaine is rapping. I should receive financial compensation for having to watch Blaine rap. I would like to see a rap off between Darren Chris and Matthew Morrison just to see how bad it could get. The very those very words just like made me physically uneasy. <laughs> I, I thought it was I thought it was a pretty decent song. Oh, I'm sorry, Christy. <laughs> I think they were having fun performing it. And I think that it was... I'll give you that. It was nice to hear Chris Colfer's lower range, which is really warm and nice. Because so often he's on, you know, countertenor. But it was nice to hear his lower register. And it was good. And I enjoyed seeing Satana's reaction to Blaine rapping. Yeah, Satana, after the, the number is over, says, With all the horrible crap I've been through in my life, now I can add that. Yep, and I agree. Yeah, and like... I think Blaine said something about like, like, look, we're trying to help you. Please don't get defensive. Like, we're trying to support you. Please don't get defensive about us trying to support you. And my note here was this kind of self-destructive and isolating behavior is only going to hurt you in the long run, Santana. Yeah. But you know what hurts me is Sue's booty call journal. (laughs) Sue is coping very well with the fact that the ad has implied that she is also a lesbian. Yes, and to compensate, she has decided that she is going to have a heterosexual uh, encounter to try and Uno reverse card the ad. You know, I will say, I I did find a little bit of this relatable because when I was in the closet, I too journaled extensively about how heterosexual I was. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I'd like to point out that, so yeah, Sue says, oh, the ad is coming out soon, so I better get ahead of it. So no one's trying to stop the ad. No one's, like, trying to bring legal action against Reggie the Saw Salazar. Mm-hmm. For child something meant. Child endangerment. <laughs> I was gonna mention that Sue decides that she's gonna go through her booty call journal, which is just an address book, but with the names and numbers of people that she's had sex with. One of whom is Vladimir Putin? <laughs> I was gonna say, did anyone write down all of them? Because I've got them here. I was I was rushing through the episode because I watched it an hour ago, so. Uh, we've got Eric Stoltz, who worked on Glee. We've got Todd Bridges, Vladimir Putin, Dan Quayle, Steve Irwin, Oliver North, Matt Lauer, Johnny Cochran, and she mentions, but we I didn't see it written, but she says, David Boreanaz. <laughs> and Stephen Baldwin. 
Oh, and Stephen Baldwin. I missed that one. There's also a number for an all-night pizza delivery written there. Good. Pizza is good. She needs her 20 cc's of man candy stat, and we see her uh, come across a, a name that we don't see. We just see her react to it, so we're gonna find out who that is in the a good and enjoyable uh, C plot of this episode. Could could yeah. you imagine if it was Figgins? That would be pretty funny. <laughs> Honestly, she probably should have gone for Figgins instead. I would have liked that better than this. And then, because this episode was airing roughly around uh, American Thanksgiving, we cut to Coach Beast eating a turducken. An entire turducken, and explaining what a turducken is to Emma, because that yes. was trendy at the time. I have a co-worker who is planning on making a turducken for Thanksgiving this year. Oh, wow. <laughs> how 2010. He is very ambitious. <laughs> I don't know how difficult it is. I'm a pescatarian, so I don't really cook things like chicken or turkey or duck. But, Mm -hmm. you know, people seem to like it. I don't know. I'm not actually convinced anyone really likes it. It's just the novelty. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's American excess. (laughs) Yeah. Coach Beast has been tired lately because he and Cooter have been doing a lot of working out. We get... uh, a scene that is supposed to seem like it's implying that they're fucking, but they're just weightlifting. Well, it's it's because of the way that Coach Beast is phrasing it to Will and Emma, who are sitting there intensely uncomfortable with discussing what they think is their co-worker's sex life. Yeah. <laughs> but nope, just doing weightlifting. And now Coach Beast has a spotter, so they're safe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. And then we just... <laughs> We just gear shift straight into another musical number. Yeah, it's a very stupid transition where Coach B says that Cooter is the only one for him. And then we cut to Puck singing The Only One by Melissa Etheridge. Uh, and I, I think this cover is fine. He does spend the entire time staring at Shelby like an insane person, which mm-hmm. I don't love. Yeah. Yeah. And Rachel and Quinn both clock this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's not subtle, and he never has been. That's not really Puck's, not really one of Puck's skills. Yeah, no. that's true. And my only note, as far as the performance goes, was, it's fine. Vocal fry is real, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then he ends his musical number by saying, like, hey, Santana, I know that you're in love with Britney, but if you ever need a guy. <laughs> yeah, Puck is very Puck in this episode. I mean, yeah. he, at, at least he does say, I know I was just a phase. Oh, he said he was just a phase? I thought that meant- I think Christina and I had the same misinterpretation of what he said, and I thought he it sounded like he was implying that it was just a phase, like being gay. No, okay, well, maybe maybe he did, but what I heard was I was just a phase. I'm, I'd be willing to believe that. It seems like that, even for Puck, that would be, like, that seemed like a little much for that one scene, since they are trying to be supportive, so. Mm-hmm. Anyways- Quinn confronts Puck at his locker, and she's like, you were staring at Shelby an awful lot. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that song is mostly about babysitting for me, because we're the only ones who can look after Beth. I'll admit that 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 song was mainly about babysitting for me, got a good laugh out of me. (laughs) Yeah. And then Quinn decides she wants some fuck. She invites him over uh, while her parents are going to be out of town. 
He turns her down for being crazy and selfish and says he'd rather raw dog a beehive. If I were Puck, I would simply treat Quinn Fabre right, uh, rip to Puck, but I am different. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us are different. <laughs> <laughs> I should hope so. <laughs> yeah. I still blame the writers. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And then we get a real nice little scene, which is Finn and Santana are talking in the hallway and he tries to he tries to befriend her and he says like look he knows that obviously not from firsthand experience but he knows that coming out can be hard and he is genuinely concerned about Santana's mental health in this situation and he says like look you're just you're important to me and if something happens to you and I couldn't like help you or if I couldn't help stop it I would never forgive myself and I just put a whole bunch of crying emojis in my notes (laughs) I like this scene. The only thing I don't like about it is, like, he says something about, like, you know, you were my first. first. And that just, I don't know why that's relevant here. (laughs) I don't know. That felt like, it seems weird to say, you were the first person I had sex with, so I care about you. Yeah. (laughs) The rest of the scene is good. I think it was just, like, a weird one-off line. There are a lot of those in this episode. Yeah, he got the spirit. (laughs) In Glee, who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, in Glee, never. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He sings her uh, a slowed down cover of Girls Just Wanna Have Fun. Uh, it's a little corny, but it's sweet. A, a little? I-, I was being nice. I was very mean sorry, about- Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was very mean about perfect covers, so I was trying to be nice. Okay, here's my hot take. I think, I don't know what the hell Curtin Blaine should have sung, but I think Finn should have sung perfect in this scene. I think it would have meant more coming from him after that speech and that he wouldn't have laid on the camp, I guess, of it. The schlock. (laughs) I agree, actually. I think it would have sounded more honest coming from Finn instead of Finn being like, my daddy called me last night. He said, what you gonna do with your life? And I said, dad, girls just want to have fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I really love this number. I thought it was, I thought it was good. It's Corey sweet. did a good job singing it. He, there's a part where he does the teacher sit. <laughs> he yeah. does. See, that's honestly that's another mark against it. He does fully turn the chair around and sit out looking at Santana and going, "Hey, some people want to take a beautiful girl and hide her away from the rest of the world. <laughs> I want to be the one who walks in the sun." He got the spirit. He got the spirit. <laughs> this is the most he got the spirit, but he don't know what the fuck he's doing of the entire episode. Yeah. yeah. But apparently Naya's tears were real. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like I probably would have cried too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at the end of it, she tells him thank you. And they have a hug. And it's really sweet. And he says, we love you, Santana. (laughs) I love when Glee makes me feel a real emotion. It happens twice in this episode and never again. (laughs) I don't know if that's true, actually. Do you guys want to talk about... Coach Beast's to-go order from Breadsticks. Yes, please. I didn't write down the details. I just wrote down that he gets chicken, 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 and chicken. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> write down the specifics, but it is enough chicken to feed a small, like, not a small family even. An, like, an entire, <laughs> like, full, like, two parents and three kids family. <laughs> yeah. When they say somebody bought the farm, they're talking about Beast's takeout order. Yeah. <laughs> It's enough chicken to feed the entire cast of a Marvel film. It's like every dish is chicken with extra chicken. And then instead of a side, he also gets chicken. More chicken. 
which you know i guess good good for him i know that like i have um i have a roommate that's been doing like a a high protein diet for the past couple of years and he does eat a lot of grilled chicken (laughs) yeah my last note is that part of coach beast's order is taquitos and i didn't know that breadsticks ostensibly an italian restaurant sold taquitos but at at breadsticks apparently the motto is no rules just right or whatever the whatever the writers want we don't understand how a restaurant works i don't think breadsticks is a real italian restaurant i think they just do that for the clout do you think it's a front if their food is good then yes (laughs) the better the food the more likely it is that a restaurant is a front i mean you heard it here first folks because if the food is bad, then they'd be shut down, and so then they're not a very good front. This isn't even me joking. Lindsay taught me this. <laughs> wow, we're learning so much today. <laughs> Everyone say thank you, Lindsay, for this knowledge of how front businesses work. Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks, thank Lindsay. you, Lindsay. <laughs> Anyways, adultery. Yeah. Yeah, Ish. kind of. Vaguely. Don't like Emotional this. Emotional adultery. <laughs> uh, Cooter is on a date with sue at breadsticks this is the guy that she decided to call he has apparently been her regular booty call since the 1990s yeah and coach beast sees them on his way out and gets upset reasonably because this part because he thought that they were exclusive and cooter says like no i need is it now when he says i don't need a buddy yeah yeah it's in this scene he talks about you know like he kept trying to ask Coach Beast out on dates, but, like, every time they either ended up, like, working out or going to a protein seminar. Like, he... Cooter makes this a problem about Coach Beast not communicating, but I feel like they're just both not communicating properly. Or at least not, like... Uh-huh. I feel like Cooter is, like, not communicating in a way that is clear enough for Coach Beast. And so... I, I, I don't know. I find this whole thing stupid and frustrating. It's a lot of missed signals, especially because, like, as we mentioned on, uh, was it last episode or the one before that, where they really just have, they are on two different wavelengths because Coach Beast just has very little, if any, experience with flirting or being flirted with, and mm-hmm. so does not pick up on the signals, but also, like, Cooter is specifically looking for romance and maybe sex. And Coach Beast has so far not displayed any interest in that. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, like, I don't know whether or not that is or is is not something that Coach Beast is interested in. But it does seem like a lot of this comes down to, like, an inferiority complex, like, just not... Lack of self-esteem. Yeah, the, like, lack of self-esteem and, like, not interpreting something as an expression of interest because, like, you don't believe that anyone would be interested in you that way. And also just, like, lack of experience. I feel like there are so many better ways that Cooter could be expressing his needs and his wants like you know if you're having trouble hinting at things maybe try actually just fucking asking people like you can you can say (laughs) Mm -hmm. like hey can i hold your hand hey can i kiss you hey can we go out to dinner on a date like people Mm -hmm. think that 
being straightforward is like less sexy or whatever, but no, that's dumb. Mm-hmm. Like just be clear about what you want and you will at least get an answer instead of spending your whole night trying to decipher the four dimensional chess game you have backed yourself into. <laughs> I should call him. <laughs> I do like the joke. Cooter says, I tried to hold your hand, but you punched me. And Coach B says, it was a reflex. I thought you were trying to steal my glass ring. Yeah. As someone who works in an industry that is, I will say, catty corner to class ring and championship ring production, it's probably not worth that much, Coach Beast. It's fine. They're so expensive. And for what? For cubic zirconia and plated metals. Now I'm just and thinking clout. about how in every Zombies movie, Addison reflexively punches Zed in the face. I need to watch Zombies. Sometimes it can be love. Or affection. Sometimes it's just a reflex. Also, in general, it is hard to me to get super, super invested in the Cooter Beast uh, plot because I know how it ends. I yeah, also... Yeah. And I can try I can try my best to appreciate what's happening in the now to see what they're doing with what they have now and not look into the future too hard. Yeah. But my eyes just kind of glaze over. No, I, uh, while I was editing a couple of episodes ago, I, when the, the, when Cooter was introduced as a character, I suddenly remembered how this plot goes and yeah, it's hard not to just be kind of sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is the intended reaction, but. Well, I just, I feel bad for Coach Beast. I want him to be happy. <laughs> we all want Coach Beast to be happy. Mm-hmm. We must imagine Coach Beast happy. Yeah. Yes, we're going to manifest it. It will happen. Anyways. Election time! <laughs> Both the student election and the real election. Mm-hmm. It's the double election. Uh, hardly anyone is voting for the real election. <laughs> yeah. It's a funny, cute joke of the times. Hey, if you're listening to this and you're in the United States, midterm election is coming out very soon after this episode goes to air. So please, for the love of God, vote in your midterm elections. Pokemon go to the polls, guys. Yep. Vote in all down ballot races. They are important. Yes. This has been your PSA. Vote for your school board. Yes. Yes, vote for the school board. Vote for election commissioner. And yeah, vote out TERFs and people who want to just completely destroy the concept of abortion. Anyway. Anyway, Brittany's planning on voting for Rick the Stick Nelson, even though he's in a medically induced coma. (laughs) Good for him. Yeah. And Kurt is nervous as hell. Mm-hmm. We get to see how various members of the Glee Club and Troubletones vote. I didn't really keep track of everyone, but I do remember. I did. I remember Quinn. Quinn goes first and says, just like how my dad always votes for the candidate who is the least ethnic, I'm going to vote for the candidate who's the most girl before casting her vote for Brittany. Yeah. Totally heterosexual things to say. <laughs> <laughs> Mercedes says that Brittany's her girl and she loves the trouble tones, but if she, Brittany ends up winning, then she's never going to hear the end of it from Santana, so she is voting for Kurt. Valid. <laughs> Mike votes for Kurt while rocking out on his headphones. Finn also votes for Kurt because he's a good brother. Mm-hmm. Santana yeah. votes for Brittany because she's a good girlfriend. And she writes the and heart. And she kisses the ballot before she puts it in the box. I love it. And Pug votes for Ross Perot. <laughs> he writes in Ross Perot at the bottom, which also made me laugh. Yeah. 
I remember when I first watched this episode when it aired in 2011, I didn't get the joke, but my parents <laughs> lost their shit. Yeah, that's a joke for the parents watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we see Coach Beast uh, at the table, bummed out because Sue and Cooter are there making out all over the place, and Will and Emma come up to him, and they're like, are you okay? And Coach Beast is like, I'm sad because... Sue and Cooter are making out and uh, Sue is rubbing it in my face and was like, I don't know if that's happening. And then Becky comes up and says, Coach Sue told me to give this to you and to rub it in your face. (laughs) It's a Polaroid that they've just taken and it's very funny. Mm -hmm. Becky is good. And Emma says, hey, maybe you should go talk to them. Get your feelings out in the open. Dude, we don't get very many country songs on Glee. If I remember we no, because Glee hates country. So few country songs that it became a running joke in the fandom that Glee hates country. But we mm-hmm. we do get a performance of Jolene by Coach Beast, and I like this one. I really like this one too. I was singing along with it. I think it's good. My note here was literally like I recognized the lick at the beginning, like do 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 do. I I can't. I don't know it off the top of my head, but like I recognized the guitar lick at the beginning, mostly mm-hmm. because. I listened to an entire podcast about Dolly Parton. Ooh, was it <gasps> Dolly Parton's America? Yep, Dolly Parton's yes. America. Hashtag non-spawn, but highly recommended. Yes! But, like, my note here was, holy shit, Beast gets to sing Jolene about Cooter and Sue making out as he appears in various locations around the school where they're having mini dates, I guess. <laughs> and Dot Marie Jones has a great voice for this. Yeah, I was really pleasantly... I forgot that this song was in this episode, and I was so delighted. Well, it's Lady Music for Lady Music Week. Mm-hmm. Now she's here. <laughs> Lady knows it's her episode. <laughs> you want to say something to the mic? Nope. Maybe next time. Keep going. Keep going. So Rachel goes in very suspiciously to the gym to cast her vote. I'm sure that's fine and won't come back later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she even asks Coach Beast if he's okay, and he's like, oh yeah, just thinking. I like Even Coach Beast noticed that something's off with Rachel. Mm-hmm. Something's always off with Rachel. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, how can they tell? <laughs> Anyways, uh, we cut to the next day, and everyone is looking at Santana in a way. So the, the conclusion, none of the adults did anything to stop this ad. They just went, well, Santana's gonna be outed. Better Twitter all thumbs yeah. about it. They never even considered it. Honestly, I'm the most disappointed in Bert Hummel. Yeah! What the fuck, yeah. Bert? Actually, does he know about this? He was in the room last episode where they're like, hey girl, there's an ad that's adding you as a lesbian. He's right. like, I've been through this before. But now I guess he's just like, well, I wash my hands of you, Santana. Yeah. I'm choosing to believe that it's because the writers forgot about Bert Hummel and how he's literally the best dad. Oh, I do like we've reached the point in the show where we blame the writers for not doing what the character should have done. <laughs> well, it is their fault, technically. Yeah. Yeah, but sometimes they're writing a character and the character does something we don't like. Sometimes they're writing a character and we step take a step back and we say, no, the real Bert Hummel would never. <laughs> yes. Uh, a guy tries to accost Santana, but uh, luckily she is backed up by all the other Glee girls. Yes. The sophomore rugby captain shows up and offers to fuck her straight, which I hate. <laughs> but she she summons girl squad. It's just like that scene in Avengers Endgame. 
Kevin Feige wrote this scene. He really did. <laughs> so they start singing, I kissed a girl, and my first note here was, everyone gaze it up. Yes. This song, I have such a, I have so, so many complicated feelings about this song, because on the one hand, like, God, ugh, but like, also, it was a cultural moment of like, attraction to girls being in the mainstream conversation in a way that like wasn't a hundred percent like demonizing i mean it was yeah like it was patronizing mm -hmm. and there was a lot of like slut shamey stuff but like it was different it was like it was exploitative but it wasn't necessarily negative mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it also it provided the smokescreen for girls who wanted to sing about kissing girls, saying, I'm just kidding, I'm Katy Perry. Yes, and also, like, it was talking about kissing girls in a way that didn't explicitly frame it as something that was, like, gross or bad to do. Like, it was, exactly. like, it was, like, yeah. naughty. It was, like, kind of fun and sexy, but, like, ha -ha, it wasn't... I it, kissed a girl! It, yeah, like, tee-hee, but, like, up until that point, the, the cultural consensus on women kissing women was, that is bad and gross. And I guess being sexualized is, like, a half step above being gross. Yeah, no, I know that Princess Weeks did a really good video essay on I Kissed a Girl and, like, the pros and oh, cons. Oh, I bet she- Oh, I, really? Yeah, I haven't seen that one, but that absolutely makes sense, and I'm probably gonna put that on as soon as we finish this episode. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the, the two important things for this song is that, one, I have a new ship because Quinn and Tina are dancing together a lot. It's very cute. Yeah. There's half a moment at the beginning where- Quinn and Rachel have like a oh let's caress moment. So there you go, Harley. Shout out to shout out to Harley. There's your for Barry watch. All the yeah. girls have such great chemistry uh -huh. in this performance. Uh -huh. It's just really fun and good. And I they look like they're having a lot of fun, which I also really love. Yeah. My second note here was Tina is in a common rider outfit because she's got these like knee high orange and gray boots and like a Spider-Man pattern dress. <laughs> yeah, kinda. I think Tina should get a common rider belt. Yes. Rory is going to explode. Yeah, this is Rory watch. She's doing like a motorboat or something. Bless his little heart. <laughs> he can't take it. Mm-hmm. And Tina sang this for her audition song. But she doesn't That's get true. like a she doesn't get a solo or anything. I think she should have. Bullshit. I think she did get a solo. It looked like she got a solo because it zoomed in on her while she was singing, but I don't know if I heard her voice coming through. Mm -hmm. They may have just highlighted her a little bit. Also, Christina, that's not spider webbing. That's just plaid. Oh. I still think Tina should get a Kamen Rider belt because yeah, all of my yeah. faves deserve Kamen Rider belts, but <laughs> she doesn't look like she's dressing for Kamen Rider. She looks like she's dressing for, well, the student government. <laughs> She can do both. She can have it all. She should have it all. Should I write Common Rider Glee? Santana tells uh, everyone that she came out to her parents and they took it well. So it's exciting. Mm -hmm. I just gotta tell my abuela. I'm sure that's gonna go fine. Um, nobody's gonna cry. Not on this podcast or any other. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Kurt Hummel, please report to the principal's office. Kurt Hubble to the principal's office. <laughs> so, announcement from Figgins. He says that Kurt has won by too, far too many ballots. More ballots than there are seniors. Mm -hmm. And Kurt says that I thought about it, but I never did it. Should not have admitted that. Yeah, I think the fact that Kurt 
actually said that he thought about it and didn't go through with it is more proof of his innocence. Yeah. Oh, I agree as well, but he still shouldn't have said it because it looks bad to everyone else. Yeah, but Principal Figgins doesn't take his word for it because apparently he's the Catholic Church and Mm. thinking about the sin is as bad as sinning itself, apparently. Well, but they also don't, like, officially suspend him yet. Like, they're still looking for evidence. Yeah, because Kurt then goes to tell Finn and Rachel and he tells them, If he did rig the election, then he is going to be suspended for two weeks. But if Kurt did rig the election, then he's going to be suspended for two weeks. If he didn't rig the election, he will not have any consequences, but he also then won't have anything to put on his resume for Niata. But either way, he still lost. Which is very sad. Yeah. And he tells his best straight and his brother... (laughs) (laughs) and then goes off to find his boyfriend. I think we can all agree that Finn is a better straight than Rachel, even if they are both bisexual. (laughs) Yeah, but then it turns out that Rachel did it, and Rachel stuffed the ballot boxes while Coach Beast was having his non-diegetic musical number and not paying attention. Most among us has not sat in a room during a busy task and fantasized about ourselves performing a musical number. Exactly. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's hard because they changed the playlist to work and all the songs are pretty gay. (laughs) (laughs) No one has ever suffered like you, Tanner. Truly, no one has ever suffered. No, the real suffering at work is when they put on the radio edit of Virgilicious that is so chopped up to make it radio safe that it might as well be a different song. I remember that. (laughs) Good times. Anyways, I will, in Rachel's defense, she was trying to be nice to Kurt. She's just bad at cheating at elections. <laughs> she's, she was trying to be nice. She's just bad at that. She's not very practiced. Yeah. Baby's first crime. Surely that's not her first crime. Didn't she send a child to a crack house? Yeah, but she couldn't be tried as an adult for that. Fair now enough. Now she can. Statute of limitations ain't out yet, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to math class, where... Puck has memorized the quadratic equation, which surprises everyone, including the teacher, who thinks he's cheating. I guess uh, doing his books for his pool cleaning business taught him the quadratic equation? Yeah, I, I'm not buying it. That that ain't sound right. I mean, I'm sure he probably learned it, but I don't think he learned anything about how to use it or why. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a time where you would use the quadratic equation in real life anyways. No. Me either. I'm googling. What do you use the quadratic equation for? Quads. Adding a note here. In real life. (laughs) (laughs) The quadratic equations are used in many real life situations, such as calculating the areas of an enclosed space, the speed of an object, the profit and loss of a product, or curving a piece of equipment for designing. Okay, so I guess you could have used it for something. Which is less fun than it just being a random thing. That's okay, we can cut this part out and no one will know. Exactly. Yeah, fair. No, because now all the math geeks are going to be in our replies like, um, actually. <laughs> Look, at this point, I encourage the math geeks to be in our replies. Get us that engagement. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of engagements, uh, he has to run out because he gets a family emergency call and the family is Beth, who slipped and hit her head on the ground and there was blood everywhere, so Shelby... Didn't know who else to call, so she called Puck. Bad move. Stop doing that, woman. Yeah. Yeah. Adult woman. Teacher yeah. woman. Yeah. And it turns out that it was just that Beth put a tooth through her lip. Which I feel like Jake had <laughs> happened to him. 
I believe that. Like our friend? Yes. Okay. I- I'm just saying, like, if, uh, as a demonstration of this is something that is incredibly survivable and usually results in a cool scar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they say that it's only going to be a couple of stitches, but Puck insists that they get a plastic surgeon to do it so that it looks the best or whatever. I don't know that that's covered by Shelby's insurance, but okay, Puck. It's fine. Puck's got pool cleaning money. <sighs> and I had, I muted the television at this point. <laughs> you were so valid. He's been busking for extra cash by playing his guitar and also telling people what the quadratic equation is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after they get everything sorted out at the hospital. They fuck. They fuck. I don't like they it. fuck. You know, because this is just what this episode about a scared lesbian teenager needed was heterosexual dubcon. I did not parse any of what you just said, Tanner. (laughs) I hate all of this heterosexual nonsense. And then Shelby tells Puck that they shouldn't do this anymore. It's a bad idea. And Puck is the one who calls her out? And he's like, (laughs) you're a coward for not pursuing me me more? No, um, (sighs) Tanner, I need everyone to know that what Puck says to Shelby is, yeah, you got the boom and the pow and your lips are cash money, but what really turned me on about <sighs> you was how much of an ass kicker you were. <sighs> I had to rewind and watch him I say concur. you got the boom and the pow and your lips are cash money more than once because I almost didn't believe that those were the words that hit my ears. Puck's got that 2008 and Shelby's got that 2000 and late. <laughs> Yeah, he does call her a coward, which, like, lol. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> okay, Puckerman. Boy, I've tried to be sympathetic to you in this situation where you're clearly being emotionally manipulated by an older woman. But also... Ugh. Anyways, thank God Yvonne Cole is here. She's not gonna break our hearts. <laughs> I love Yvonne Cole. She once tried to kill teenagers on Teen Wolf. Oh, good for her. Yeah. I think she was Miss Puerto Rico at one point in like pageants and stuff. Oh, how fun. There was a period of time on television where if you needed an older Latina actress, you either got Yvonne Cole or another actress. And that other actress has unfortunately passed away. Aww. Only one remains. I'm going to go get her name. Now that I've mentioned it, I feel bad if I don't mention her name. Tonita Castro. For a long time, it was either Yvonne Cole or Tonita Castro who was playing the fun Latina grandmother. Yeah, she was uh, Miss Puerto Rico 1967, uh, also in Switched at Birth and Teen Wolf. And Jane oh yeah, she was in Switched at Birth. I should, should I go back to watching that show? Girl, no. <laughs> but Sean Gurney's in it. <laughs> Don't do that to yourself. But the society got cancelled after it got renewed and I need my Sean Gurney. <laughs> <laughs> need to watch him act and shit. We're uh, procrastinating because this scene is very sad and upsetting. Yeah. Do you want to take lead on this one, Emily? Uh, yeah, I can. So the, Yvonne Cole is playing uh, Santana's abuela, obviously. And she Santana has gone over to her house and her, her gr- abuela tells her, you're all skin and bones like Jesus on the cross. <laughs> <laughs> good, good line. Good line. Like, Santana sort of starts to try and talk, and her grandma's, like, you know, tittering around the kitchen, as grandmas are wont to do. And mm-hmm. she's like, no, please, like, come come sit down with me. Come talk to me. And Santana starts to try and come out, but her abuela <laughs> stops her and asks if she's pregnant and says, I will beat you up with this chair. 
Santana says, no, uh, she is not pregnant. That's not that. But that she likes girls the way that she's supposed to like boys. She's always felt this way. And she wants to share this with her abuela because she loves her so much. She wants her to know her and be a part of her life. And like... (laughs) God, this scene sucks so bad because, like, it seems like everything is just going well. Like, everything's coming up Santana. And then you get to the scene. And at first, like, she's just sort of quiet. And, like, everything just goes bad. And uh, Abuela does not take this well. She basically tells Santana that she should have just kept this a secret. Yeah, I wrote down her response. They're called secrets for a reason. Mm-hmm. I want you to leave this house. I don't ever want to see you again. You made your choice. No, I have made mine. It's selfish of you to make me uncomfortable. The sin isn't in the thing. It's in the scandal when people talk about it aloud. It's selfish of you to make me uncomfortable is such a powerful sentence. And it's such an attitude that so many like older, like bigoted people have that they mm-hmm. they don't tend to actually put so succinctly. Uh, but that's why this is a TV show. But mm-hmm. um, from what I recall, this part of the scene in the episode was like partially written by one of the producers for Glee who is a lesbian and it was based on her experience coming out to her own grandmother. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's why it's one of the like realist moments in like the whole show is it feels Mm -hmm. so true to life. It is uh, true to my life. I have been married since 2019 and my grandmother does not know. uh, And I still talk to her. So like, and not knowing that this scene was coming up when I was watching Glee for the first time, like, it when I watched this for the first time, not to get too personal, but it was right around the time that my grandma, uh, I didn't get to come out to my grandmother. My grandmother found out that I was gay, and uh, I had recently had that whole debacle with her, and then I'm just watching the st- stupid Ryan Murphy musical show, and it comes over my throat, and I cry basically every time I watch this episode. I even cried again last night and <laughs> this morning when I rewatched it. It's just so, so sad, and mm-hmm. it's just like... You don't really expect Santana, like, you know, like, she's this, like, strong, (laughs) insane person, but, like, this totally, like, Mm -hmm. hits her like a truck, and it's just, oh, man, it's so sad. Sorry, Emily. Oh, yeah, you know, like, it's fine. I mean, you know, like, (laughs) I don't want to make people uncomfortable, but, like, it's, you know, my life is fine, but it's just, like, this is such an important episode to me because a lot of times like when you see coming out scenes in tv shows it goes either really good or really bad but like normally when it goes really bad it's in this like explosive way but this feels way more like the way things are going to go bad in real life most of the time where it's just sort of a quiet absolute cutting off so that's why i wanted to do this episode it's because the first time Glee made me feel an emotion for real. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking rough. Anyway, Puck's hooking up with Quinn. Yeah, but Kevin, okay, well, <laughs> to trying. be fair, this is also a good scene. No, I was yeah. going to say, like, if, if you guys have anything else to say about that, um, you know, I don't want to suck all the air out of the room. 
<laughs> yeah. No, you pretty much said everything we need to. Like, yeah. I I can't always speak to this kind of stuff beyond a theoretical because I have been very fortunate with all the people I've come out to have been very accepting of it. Oh, yeah. Like, so... it, the rest of my family is actually mostly fine. Like, my mom and my sister and everybody. And that's why I can be so casual about this is because basically everyone kind of like Santana basically everyone else in my life is totally fine with it but then there's just this one person that like made the whole experience miserable yeah but I think that's also it's important to have queer stuff in media that doesn't always end perfectly that is bittersweet because a lot of queer people in our own lives are not gonna be able to get the whole package necessarily it's important to strike a balance between not being sad about these types of queer stories all the time and also being Mm -hmm. true to the fact that some of these queer stories are very sad yeah Yeah, and both are valid and you need to have a little bit of you really need to have a little bit of both in each one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's that discussion that's been happening a lot on social media of you know like how you can't just have like you shouldn't just have stories where queer people die at the end or where queer people have the absolutely perfect disney happy ending like you have to be able to tell the ups and the downs and everything in between just like with straight stories or with with narratives about people of color like you can't limit it to just one thing because then you're I, i guess you're limiting the ability for people to empathize with the media if that makes sense Mm-hmm. absolutely anyways back to buck hooking up with quinn yeah well well, Quinn is trying to hook up with Puck. <laughs> yeah, she's, and Puck is like, I don't have protection. And Quinn's like, I don't care. Put a baby in me. I would like to know, it is interest. I mean, I know why he brings up that he doesn't have protection, but I rewatched episode five before this, and he specifically tells Finn that he does not use protection. So what is the truth, Ryan? Well, he's... In this in this same scene that's happening now, he like when Quinn says don't worry about it, Puck says, normally I would risk it, but I feel like you're not the kind of person who would want me to. So I think the truth is he only uses protection with people he cares about, which is not a good look. Not great, no. Puck! Well, not that I'm saying no. it out loud. I mean, no. I would um, even argue it's probably not even that he uses protection with people he cares about. It's just the one that he already knocked up once. Yeah. But Quinn doesn't mind. She wants Beth 2, the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Beth 2, electric Beth Galoo. Beth Jr. Too flat, too baby. <laughs> too flat, too baby. <laughs> Beth 2, the squeakle. God, we're getting so many good episode titles here. <laughs> <laughs> Beth 2, the second one. But yeah, and basically... It's that Quinn is still trying to make it happen because she believes that having a baby will magically fix her somehow. She's just and trying to do something because she doesn't know what to do, but she knows that she's miserable. Yeah, and Puck then says, like, look, we've spent the whole week trying to help support Santana, but none of us even took ten minutes to help support you. And, I mean, Mercedes took lots of minutes to help support Quinn. <laughs> <but> <laughs> But maybe Puck wasn't super aware of that, because I was back in season one. But <laughs> Yeah, cons- considering it was back in season one, it didn't last long. I very much feel it was a situation where Quinn was trying to rep- like present herself as a stronger person by not accepting further help from Mercedes, mm-hmm. especially once she was able to move back in with her own mom. Mm-hmm. So like, it's yeah. not Quinn's fault, but it's no. Quinn's brain's fault. Yeah. 
and Puck mentions something like, look, you've been a mess for the last three years, and that's my fault, because <laughs> he was the one who uh, coerced her into having sex. And Yeah, but he, he then assures her that if anyone has a chance to make it out of this town it's and make something of themselves, it's you, and I see you somewhere warm and glamorous, like Miami or L.A., or Toronto. <laughs> Warm and glamorous. That's what I always think of when I think of Toronto. <laughs> I mean, of all the options in Canada, it's probably the best one. It's warm because of all the industry heat around it. And it's definitely going to be more glamorous than Vancouver. Vancouver's maybe glamorous, but Vancouver's also constantly raining. <laughs> <laughs> and also sometimes in BC, there's a bear in the school. Oh, fun. Squeeze me? <laughs> yeah, ask Lindsay about the bear in the school. I hope he was getting a gainful education. It was just visiting. Just picking up its kids. <laughs> also, and then after that, sent or not Santana, she's not here. Quinn says, maybe I was just getting all my bad decisions out early. So congratulations, oh. Quinn's fixed. <laughs> God. Shout out to Puck for explicitly not fixing Quinn with his dick. Yes. I like that they, like, just kind of lay down and, like, he just kind of holds her for a little bit. Like, it's clearly not, like, romantic or anything, like, the way mm-hmm. that this is happening. Or, but... like, it, it is, but it's not, it, it's romantic, but it's not sexual. Yeah, yeah. I well, I mean, I don't know. Like, it feels like they are sort of, like, on the outs a little bit. And this feels more like just, I, I don't know, I guess to me, it, it just felt more like, just the two of them supporting each other because she mm-hmm. is clearly going fucking through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Puck of all people is the one who realized Quinn has postpartum. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it felt like a like a platonic support cuddle. Yeah. Like, look, even if we don't ever get back together, like, I, I need someone physically present to give- I need physical affection because God knows neither of my parents will ever give me physical affection ever again. They're cuddling and Puck says no funny business. And then there's a beat. And then he says, by the way, I should tell you something. Anyways, then we cut to black. Yeah. Good news. We come back from the commercial break. (laughs) Uh, Sue finds out she lost the election. Mm -hmm. She only got 16% of the vote. (laughs) Yep. Then Cooter Mankins is there. He says, so what are, what is gonna happen with us now sue great question as coach beast storms into sue's office and sue tells cooter to sit down on the exercise ball and so he kind of just sits there like bouncing in the corner it's very funny Mm -hmm. coach beast confronts sue about the relationship with cooter and cooter's like well you know i like both of you so um i guess this means more for coach beast and sue sylvester and Real quick, I want to mention here that Sue says, I lost the election, I lost my reputation, and I lost an enormous last-minute bet that I placed on myself with a shady bookie in Las Vegas. (laughs) But then she says, Cooter is the best thing that's happened to me since Becky walked into my life. I love it. We love and support Becky Jackson in this house. Yes, I'm almost Uh certain better things will happen. (laughs) <laughs> oh no, I was about to say, didn't this thing happen to Sue already? But I know, I guess that's not till next season. Coach B says that he'll bench press a wildebeest if he has to, because he's not giving Cooter up without a fight. Yep. But speaking of concessions, <laughs> or lack thereof. Everyone is gathered in the glee room. Mm-hmm. And Will and Chilby say, hey, great job, everyone. Now we're going to go into sectionals with a spirit of friendly and empathetic competition. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Meanwhile, Quinn is like, 
giving Shelby the stink <laughs> eye this whole whole scene. Quinn is laser eyeing yep. Shelby, and you can hear the Kill Bill siren going off behind her oh, eyes. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and even Tina is picking up on it. <laughs> yeah. They all clap uh, to congratulate themselves for getting along this week. And yeah. I, I think it's uh, Artie that says, uh, where's Rachel? She never misses applause. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. And Kurt stands up and he publicly concedes to Brittany for the presidential election. He tells her to rule fabulously and rule wisely. She tells him he's still the most unicorn. And he says, maybe I could put that on my Miata application. Mm-hmm. And also, Bert won his election, Woo-hoo! which we only see in one scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are so many things happening in this episode. They should have cut, like, one subplot. Yeah. 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 Honestly, they probably could have moved the Puck Shelby stuff to next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we had more time with Santana, who this episode is ostensibly about. Mm-hmm. She does get her own solo number right now, though. She sings uh, Constant Craving by Katie Lang. Yes. Which is mm-hmm. funny because last season she said she didn't want to sing an O Katie Lang. And now she is singing Katie Lang. <laughs> you know what that is? Growth. It's growth. We love to see it. And th- th- I like Santana singing this song. You know what I don't like? I have a feeling I could guess. It's the fact that Shelby comes in and starts singing it too. And also Rachel. Yeah. I it's... don't mind Kurt being there. Kurt's voice sounds good in the harmonies. But, like, but what it's the like fuck? Santana's singing... About how sad she is that her grandmother doesn't love her anymore. And Shelby's singing about how it sucks that she had to break up with her underage boyfriend. And mm-hmm. Rachel's singing about how it sucks that she is being suspended because of the consequences of her actions. And these are all equitable, apparently. Yeah. These are all the same. Yeah. I'm coming out of the closet as an ele- election fraudist. <laughs> <laughs> Fraudulator, what is what is the descriptor? Fraudster? Fraudster. Yes. I'm I've come out as an election fraudster. Where's my flag? <laughs> <laughs> it's got Donald Trump's face on it. No. Never mind, I take it back. It's just the straight flag with like jail cell bars going down it. <laughs> sure I'm sure there are fun people who have committed election fraud. That's fair. Yeah. And <laughs> let's talk about consequences. Because yeah. <laughs> Rachel shows up to tell everyone that she has rigged the election. She mentions that it's going to be on her permanent record. Her permanent record! <laughs> and that she is suspended for two weeks. And... Without pay. <laughs> and she's been banned from competing at sectionals. Thank so my God. note here is... Yay! Give Mercedes a solo... Give Tina a solo. Give everyone a solo. We won't, yes. we don't, we won't give everyone a solo. Oh, I, I got a little hopeful there. We'll let Quinn talk a bit, but she's not going to be able to sing. Ah, uh, that's a shame. My last note here was, maybe it'll build character. It won't. Uh, fun fact, that means that as of next episode, Rachel will only ever participate in a single sectionals competition. Wow. Or or not participate, but only ever have a solo in their first sectionals, because she didn't have the solo last year, and then this year it's illegal. They finally made Rachel Berry illegal. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send y'all a meme that I made, because one of my friends is in a tabletop game where- They're playing Rachel Berry. No, no. 
but one of their party members slash fellow players was having a real hard time understanding how actions and decisions made in character can have an effect on the rest of the story. (laughs) (laughs) And that that was even despite being told it in clear and concise terms from the GM. And so I made a meme for it. (laughs) (laughs) Now now you just have to get like some heavy metal skeletons in behind the words so it looks like something from Desher Zone. Knock knock. (laughs) Who's there? It's the consequences of your own actions. You need like some grim reapers and some lightning and maybe some raccoons. See, I was trying to go with like a Bill Wirtz style approach. (laughs) (laughs) It's the consequences of your own actions. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah. As far as, and th- and that's the episode. So sure as far is. as trivia goes, they apparently did quite a few deleted scenes for this episode. There was apparently a short little Santana and Brittany scene. I think there was a separate scene of Santana coming out to Sue and Becky, and also one of Santana coming out to all of the Cheerios, which there is video of on YouTube. I also watched this. Tanner, did you end up watching this clip? I did have time to watch this clip, yes. It's very good. They should have kept this in the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because the clip is basically Santana saying, like, look, there are rumors about me being gay, and there's a campaign ad about it, and it's true. Rumor come out, does Santana is gay? <laughs> Santana is gay. <laughs> she does. <laughs> the best line in this ep- in, in this scene, and would have been one of the best lines in this episode, probably, is when... After Santana comes out, Becky says that she made out with a girl once. And then we hear Brittany very quietly say to Santana, it was before I met you. (laughs) (laughs) Aw, which is sweet. Also, if you look on YouTube at that clip, uh, you can see that it says that that is the most rewound and rewatched bit of the episode is where Becky says that uh, she made out with a girl once. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was good. Yeah. I would have gladly substituted that for any of the Puck Shelby scenes. <laughs> yeah, easily. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the episode, y'all. And it it had one good scene, and then the rest of it's a mess for some reason. Uh, Santana did not deserve that. This was her episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Santana didn't, she didn't deserve to have to deal with heterosexuals sharing the narratives. Right? <laughs> The episode I kissed a girl should have involved more girl kissing. I don't even think Santana and Brittany kissed once. No, they didn't. No, I don't think so. What the fuck? The fuck, Ryan? What's your problem, Ryan? What the fuck, Tate and Matthew? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, Emily, you know how it goes. What song are you slapping a gold star onto? My gold star has to be uh, Jolene, obviously. It's just... Absolutely a delight. Dot Marie Jones. I love see her in bros, even though I don't know if bros looks like it's going to be good. I'm going to watch it for her. Uh, And I like that not only is this like one of the only times we get a country song. This is also like she doesn't really get to sing very much. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. What about you, Tanner? I'm also voting for Jolene because it's the goodest one. There's no parts of that like, hmm, this could have been better. Hmm, someone else could have sang this. Hmm, you are not equitable to the trauma of being forced out of the closet. <laughs> it's just a country sad time, and I approve. And also, having Dot Marie Jones sing it really brings that sapphic energy to Jolene. <laughs> <laughs> correct. Also correct. Christina? Also Jolene. 
Yay! It's, it's a, a Jolene, triple Jolene. Hashtag Jolene sweep. Hashtag Jolene sweep. <laughs> For me, a close second was girls just want to have fun, but it's gotta be Jolene. It's Jolene! <laughs> Maybe if we say it enough time, then Jolene will appear in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they say if you say Jolene four times into the mirror, then she'll come and take your man. Tina, <laughs> watch out! Um, Emily, gold star moment. Ooh, gold star moment. I mean, that's tough because I think the gold star moment is probably the coming out scene, even though it is so, like, you don't expect to give a gold star moment to a scene that makes you very sad, but it's easily the, like, best writing in the whole episode. Yes, it's it's not because they did good things in it, it's because the bad things were done well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give my gold star to Ross Perot. <laughs> Good bit. I'm, I'm just kidding. I am also giving it to Santana and her abuela. Mm-hmm. Abuela, sweep. Abuela, sweep. Abuela, sweep. <laughs> I agree. There were several high points for me in this episode, notably that I appreciated that Sue Sylvester was so thoroughly ground into dust. And also that also that someone finally, finally realized that Quinn Fabray needs help. But again, like 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 you and Emily said, Santana's coming out scene with her abuela was very good. Heartbreaking, but good. <laughs> um, and now, what, can, can you choose a worst? I'm gonna say the worst moment was just every Puck and Shelby scene in this episode. <laughs> the inclusion of <laughs> Puck and Shelby's subplot in this episode is the worst, is the slushy for me. Mm-hmm. My worst is the fact that after NBC's The Slap aired, not a single adult chose to help Santana. Oh god, yeah. I also was thinking about NBC's The Slap this episode. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Christina? What's your slushy moment? I I think I'm going to agree with Tanner here, because even as much as I absolutely detest Shelby and Puck's relationship, the fact that no legally responsible adult stepped in to try to keep the ad from airing. Even Sue Sylvester herself. Yeah. Like, yeah, who the ad is about. Yes, who the ad is about is just baffling and infuriating to me. Such a strange choice for this episode for literally mm-hmm. no one to consider that they could stop the ad from coming out and yes. outing a teenage girl. Yes. Exactly. Shame. Shame. Shame, Shame on you. Shame. Dishonor. Anyways, dishonor like that one cow. Gonzo clip. <laughs> dishonor on your horror story. Dishonor on your crime story. <laughs> I didn't know any of the Ryan Murphy products that would deserve shame. Dishonor on your scream queens. Plastic surgery. Nip and tuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm dishonoring his nips right now. <laughs> okay. No, no, take that one out. I don't like the way it sounds. No, I liked it, but I'll take it out. (laughs) (laughs) It's too nice. (laughs) As we've reached the part of the show where the person who didn't start the show ends the show by saying, thank the guest first. Emily, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that I was lucky enough to get on this episode before uh, every other gay in the internet sphere uh, managed to grab it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> also, just thank you in general for editing. Uh, because It's because of you that I have a social life. 
I love working <laughs> on this show. It is uh, so fun, and you guys are a delight to listen to. It is. I'm basically getting paid to listen to a podcast I already liked. Excellent. And I get to do the one thing I wish I could do to other podcasts, which is take out when they say um at a time that I wish they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone get rid of the, we can't let them know we breathe. We can't let them know we breathe. Literally, (laughs) when I'm editing Wayward, I go through and I noise sample so that I can reduce out the noise of my own taking a breath at the start of a sentence. It's truly wild when I'm editing and me or Lindsay takes a big inhale in before we start talking. I'm like, Dan, sh- should we get that looked at? <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone just does it. Okay, good to hear. I am on many podcasts, fortunately and unfortunately for all of you. Uh, I <laughs> I am on Imagine Me and Utena, uh, the Fresh Podcast Market. I edit this that you're listening to right now. I also am on Crying in the Book Club and... There are still no episodes of That Looks Terrible out, but at some point, there will be. So, that's where I can Are you guys going to watch... I know it's not the creator you talk about on the show, but are you guys going to watch the new Gundam for Imagine Me and Utena? I'm just going to watch the new... I are, I downloaded the first episode of the new Gundam this morning, so I'm just... I'm doing that for me, baby. It was actually written by the guy that did the light novels for Revolutionary Girl Utena, so it's related. Huh. I could, could tie that in there, but we'll just have to see. See, the thing is, is my other co-host on that show does a podcast about Gundam and other robot shows. So it would just be a true crossover episode. Yeah, (laughs) that's perfect. It's like you planned this. It's like I planned it. (laughs) Loser Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network and we can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice. And if we aren't there, let us know and we'll work on getting there. We can be found at Loser Like Me Pod on Twitter and through LoserLikeMePod at gmail.com. Next time, White Chocolate! These abs are so fine, you can grate cheese on them! Oh, I just remember what happens next episode. Have fun! <laughs> there we go. I don't. <laughs> this week, ostensibly for the lesbians. Next week, ostensibly for the gays. Ah. It's equality. Okay. Exactly. Uh, but until then, three, two, one. And, and that's, that's what you miss on the Glee. L word. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christina gonna figure out why we love the show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening, you're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Ellie, when you edit this, can you finish it off with a clip of... Nothing bad ever happens to the Kennedys! Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Nothing bad ever happens to Ryan Murphy! Ah! (laughs) Maybe it should, though. Oh, it absolutely should. (laughs)